Anybody have joy out here this morning? Hopefully it's uh, joy that comes from deep down in your soul. Uh, second uh, Sunday of the year, we're continuing a theme that we began uh, at the beginning of January, Fix Your Eyes on Jesus. And then we're continuing our study in the book of Hebrews. That's where we're focused for the first couple of months of the year. And so all of these lessons are going to build on each other. You'll notice that we're all together as a church during our midweeks in January, and so we continue on. Uh, uh, Jeff did chapter 1 last Sunday here, chapter 2 on Wednesday night. We're in chapter 3 uh, today, and so you'll want to build on these things, and we're hoping you will dig in deep into the book of Hebrews and to be able to fix your eyes on Jesus and to be able to solve whatever kind of spiritual issues are in your life by focusing on Christ. In Hebrews chapter 13, there actually is a good bit on leaders, and we've had a meaningful, uh, a meaningful time this morning uh, appointing new elders and just, just being able to see the families and the personal sharing. And for, for me, I was thinking about this actually the last couple of days. I was thinking how much, because I knew the order of the service, and I was thinking, ah, oh, John gets to talk about Sherwin, and, and the other John gets to talk about Harold. And... I'd love to talk about them. I mean, I'd love to say a few words about them. And uh, it would just be meaningful because we, we love to be able to say meaningful things in the way that certain uh, people have touched our lives. And then I, I thought again, you know, what about if in history, throughout history, if I, could, if I could introduce some people, you know, think about it. If you could introduce to the church or to the conference Moses, how would that be? Or Abraham. Are people throughout history that have made an impact? Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King, Shakespeare, Tom Brady. <laughs> I actually just threw that out there for my suffering Boston friends who have been so insufferable since we lost the Falcons to, to Boston you know, a few years ago. So, you know, permit me that one indulgence, you know. Um, but you get the point. You get the point. What an honor it would be. This morning, I get the uh, indescribable honor of re uh, reintroducing all of us to the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the sustainer of the universe, the Lamb that was slain, Jesus as Lord, and we get to focus on him and to think about him and to celebrate his spirit in, uh, you know, in our lives. And so uh, I'd like to go back, open your Bibles now. We're in Hebrews, your devices, your Bible. We're going to start in Hebrews 2. That's where Jeff began last week, uh, or rather in Hebrews chapter 1. Notice this. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, and at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, are we in the last days? Apparently so. The last movement of human history, the third act of the play. He has now spoken to us through his son, whom he appointed the heir of everything, and through whom he made the universe. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and all creation created through it. The son He's the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. And so the book of Hebrews is going to say, with all this in mind, pay attention. Give careful thought. 
And you're going to see as you go through the book of Hebrews, on one hand, it lifts up Jesus in such an amazing way, and it's 13 chapters full of it, but then also there are the corresponding challenges and even warnings. Since this is true, we got to pay attention, and we need to focus and understand why this really is, you know, so, you know, important. On, uh, on Wednesday night, uh, Jeff continued on uh, the series here, uh, just another way to look at fix your eyes on Jesus as it talks about it in chapter 3, verse 1 that we'll look at in a moment, and then the one we're very familiar with in chapter 12, fix your eyes, fix your thoughts, think carefully, take a hard look, keep your eyes fixed. It's this idea of focus in our lives, focus in our week, focus in a worship you know, service. And then in Hebrews 3, verse 1, he goes on and he tells us, therefore, holy brothers and sisters, share in the heavenly calling Fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and our high priest. There's an issue in our, our lives that happens. Jeff talked about this, uh, you know, last week. We're writing to the, to the Hebrews, and what the issue is, the problem is they are drifting. The problem is they've been Christians for a while. The problem is, and we talked about it last week and again refer to it on Wednesday, the problem is it's becoming increasingly difficult to be a Christian. There's more and more opposition. There is, there's beginning to be some crystallized opposition from Rome. There's the, the, uh, the, the challenge that a Jewish family has when someone leaves that part of uh, the people of God and becomes a part of a new humanity of Christianity and now you're saying Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Messiah, it's getting tough and these Hebrew Christians are starting to drift, starting to lose heart, starting to think about, well, in the terms of the Old Testament, going back to Egypt. And so uh, I just use this illustration, maybe you're a little familiar with the bloom is off the rose. You know what that phrase means? You know, you get some roses, they look gorgeous, they look beautiful, they're great, it's thrilling, you feel really loved, you feel appreciated if you get that kind of gift, and as some time goes on, what happens? Well, they do fade, okay? They don't look the same. The circumstances are different. Is the love and the thoughtfulness behind that any different? Not at all. It's still there. It's the same love. It's the same relationship. It's the same heart, but it now has to be what? Internalized. That is what has to happen, and when it isn't, we run into some major issues that happen into, uh, into our lives. question for us, and a question that came in the book of Hebrews, is the bloom off the rose in your relationship with God? Is that a fair thing to ask at the beginning of 2020? Is your love and eagerness to study the Scriptures? Is the bloom off the rose on that? Have you read these things a lot? You've thought about it a lot. You've been in many services. Is your loyalty and commitment to Jesus' church, is the bloom off the rose at all? Do you start seeing more cracks instead of, and, and problems instead of the joy and the changed lives and the new, the new humanity? It's this, uh, it's this thing we truly have to be careful of that chapter 2 talks about, dangerous drifting. And notice the language that's used here as we get ready to head in to, to chapter 3. We must pay what? Do you see it? Careful attention. Who is that speaking to? Well, it's speaking to the people in the book of Hebrews, but it's speaking to you and me. 
When, you, when we look at a verse like that, do you immediately stop and say, I need to pay attention? Would you do that if a flashing light was, you know, on the, on, the, on the road was flashing around you? Of course you would. Would you do it if you saw it in your car, a red flag? You pay attention. Something's going on. Pay attention, the Bible tells us as Christians, more careful attention to what we have heard so we don't do what we don't drift. That is the natural spiritual law of gravity over time, particularly when you lose focus on Jesus and fixing your eyes and thoughts on him. For the, since the message spoken through angels was binding, that means, you know, it, uh, it was legitimate and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how are we going to escape if we neglect such a great salvation? This kind of language makes people uncomfortable. And it may make you uncomfortable. And if you're more concerned about our comfort than you are with the truth of the Scriptures, you probably ought to wrap up Hebrews right now and just not even look at it. Because as some of you know, in the book of Hebrews, on one hand, some of the most inspiring language in theology, and on the other hand, some very straightforward, almost withering warnings to really pay attention. Why? Because it's possible for our hearts to get hardened even while we're in the church and turn away, even fall away from the living God. And so the Bible doesn't want any of that even approaching our lives. And so it tells us, be focused, fix your eyes on, you know, on Jesus. The, um, th- there's a passage here that's so, uh, you know, important. Well, okay, let me just make this point. Just to illustrate it, okay, is this anybody's favorite verse in the Bible? Is it? Is it in the Bible? Is it in Hebrews? It's in the context of sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth and making the blood of Christ a a profane thing and insulting the Holy Spirit. And then this passage says it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. It's also translated a dreadful thing or a terrifying thing. This is nobody's favorite scripture. Is it true? And what's happened in our religious world, and in case you haven't uh, caught the drift, this sermon today is not a consider the lilies of the field, you know, sermon, trying to do justice to the text and what we're looking at in the the, the second and third chapters of the book of of Hebrews. But there is a, a theology within Christianity that basically tries to remove all fear, to rationalize all fear. Like, fear is a negative thing. You can't seriously read the Bible and see that, Old or New Testament. But, but it's more comfortable. And the thought that it would be possible for, once you become a Christian, to wander away from God and not make it to the promised land is, is very scary. And so we, we construct these theologies that pretty much neuter God and make him completely almost unrecognizable. God is a God of grace, Jesus full of grace and truth. Fix your eyes on him. Everything's going to be great. But if you blow him off, you ignore him, you neglect, you drift, your heart will become hard, and eventually you can leave God even while you're sitting in a church building. That's the challenge. And, And once you get that down, like Proverbs says, fear the Lord is what? Beginning of wisdom. 
Matt Cheer has done, you know, you know, has really shared a lot with He's just done this exhaustive study on the fear of God, and it's caused him, he shared it with a lot of us, not to tremble in your boots, you know, as you go from day to day, but have a respect for God. I can tell you, I did not have that growing up. I was like, I didn't go to church much, but I was probably the worst teen in the whole church, okay? And I would just laugh at stuff, pass notes, you know, just, just kind of like blow it off altogether. I'm glad God was gracious to me. Even after becoming a Christian, that was as a teen and a young college student, even after becoming a Christian, there have been times when I have absolutely, and years where I actually sinned deliberately, and I knew I was, and I knew I was wrong. I would be on a plane sometimes heading somewhere to sin when I was, you know, in my working job, and I would pray, God, please help the plane not go down. I know I'm not right with you. Please help me stay alive long enough to change my heart. I know what this is like. I think you must know a little bit of this, of, of, of what it's like, because you know, that's what the world is trying to get us to do, to numb us up to this entire area in our life. And the book of Hebrews will really help us. But let's get to what we, uh, we really need to talk about. And I'm going to present some things to you this morning for your study. Chapter 3, the, chapter, the title I'm using is The Unbelieving Heart. Is your heart important? Physically, obviously. Spiritually, it's the wellspring of life. Above all things, Proverbs 4.24 says, guard your heart. Because that's where life, you know, comes from. And so uh, this is where Hebrews 3, the, the author is going to really try to help us to have a heart that is not hardened by sin, but a soft heart, a responsive heart to God. And so if you're following along in, in the scriptures, and if you wonder if I'm talking fast, I am talking rather fast. So write the scriptures down. Just write down or, or mentally note the two or three things that you want to follow up on or to think about that you can take out of this and put into your spiritual life. But here, I would view this as one of the most important verses in the entire Bible. Now, I've only been a Christian for 50 years, okay? Uh, I became a Christian when I was 18 at the University of Florida. I've seen a lot. I can't tell you how many thousands of people that I've seen and been fairly close to and observed, whether in a leadership role or just as, you know, a general member, you know, of the church. And I will tell you, this is one of the most important verses in the Bible because it tells us how to not have a hard heart that will more and more drift and edge away from God. See to it. Some of your translations may say take care. It's actually a, a literal word means to go visit, you know, to see somebody. But the Bible is saying take care. Don't be care what? Less. Don't be careless about this. Take care, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart. So that's possible, right? So it's something you got to be aware of, just like any person would be aware of their physical health or the health of their own heart, that none of you develop a bad heart that turns away from the living God, but do what? Encourage one another. How often? Daily, as long as it's called today, not tomorrow, today, so that none of you will be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Have you ever felt yourself hardening up in a relationship with your husband wife? been married long enough, you know, even one of your own kids, one of your fellow members in the church, and with God it can happen. 
where you're, you, you start, you know, it, it's just not the way it used to be. Whether the bloom is off the rose is a phrase that works for you or some other phrase. Find your own. But it becomes hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We live in a world that is under the power of the dark side. Okay, and we rescue people out of the dark side. It's a new humanity. You, 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 you transfer from darkness into light, but sin is all around us. We're protected, you know, by God's spirit and by his grace and by the Christian ark, but it's a serious problem out there because more than anything else, rather than slap your hand, you did a no-no, it messes up your heart. That's what sin does. And so he says, we've come to share in Christ if... We hold our original conviction to the end. As you study Hebrews, look at the conditional sentences. In other words, if, then. They're all throughout the book of Hebrews and throughout the Bible. You just got to get this one down or your theology is off the chart somewhere. That, a, that God's love is conditional or unconditional? Unconditional. Loves you no matter what. Even when I was on that plane headed to go sin, God loved me. And was patient with me. A relationship with God is conditional. A close relationship with God is conditional. And you'll see it all throughout the Bible. And it hinges on our belief. Our belief. And what happens when your heart gets hardened, you go into it's an unbelieving heart. And the impact that it has is, you know, is is not very good. Now, what you're going to do as you study through Hebrews, here's what's going to happen in chapter 3. You're going to see there are two references to Psalm 95. And the Psalm 95 kind of talks about things that happened in Exodus 17, Numbers 20, you know, Numbers 24. You want me to say that again? Exodus 17, Numbers 20, Numbers, you know, uh, 24. And it's about this, this concept of rebellion and testing. And it's written to us in the church to say, do not do what these guys did. Don't rebel against God or test God. And you go, well, I don't, I don't really rebel against God or test. Well, we do when we, we, we participate in these sort of attitudes and behavior. And so he says, don't harden your, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart like these guys did in the rebellion and, and the testing. And we're going to see some words here in Exodus 17. You'll remember uh, Israel's grumbling about the menu again, especially they don't have, they don't have any water, enough water. And they're grumbling and grumbling. God is about fed up with this thing. He says, okay, Moses, go strike this rock. In this case, it was authorized. And then the bottom line of it, you can write this down, read the whole thing. He said at the end of this phrase, Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled or grumbled, and they tested or provoked the Lord. Saying, is the Lord among us? Massa and Meribah, grumbling and testing God when your circumstances are not great and you're just grumbling and complaining instead of just being grateful for what you got, you got and be responsive, okay? There are going to be hard times in the Christian life, you know, and on the journey to the promised land. But we have to be very careful about that. This is what the passage is getting at. And he, he, uh, there's another one that's referenced here, and this is in Numbers 20. And you remember that God wanted, wanted the church to have vision and faith and you're going to be able to inherit all of these great things now go and i'll be with you they sent out the 12 spies 10 of them were kind of negative this seems too hard i don't think we can do this joshua and caleb said no we can do this but the people listened to the grumblers and god viewed this personally 
because they, they weren't responding by faith and they were more responding with unbelief. And he says, none of you will enter that land I swore with uplifted hand. And we know an entire generation, everybody over 20 years old, perished out in the desert. And th- this is what we're talking about, testing and, you know, rebellion. And so the writer of the book of Hebrews says, hey, listen, while just as this was the case, you know, there, do not harden your hearts as in the Masa, you know, or the rebellion. And he goes on and he says, you know, he goes down to the bottom of this. I'm going quickly here, but these are, all these verses are right there in Hebrews 3. Did you notice? They're just right there. You got them. You can focus. But he says, so uh, see to it, or so we see that they were not able to enter because of their un, you know, belief. Now that's, that, that's the problem. What kept them out? Unbelief. Where did it come from? A hardened heart. Now, I would appeal to you for the sake of your heart and the people in your life that you influence, and most of all, for the love of God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit within you to take this passage seriously because this is the solution. The solution, fix your eyes on Jesus, focus on Jesus, and in your relationships, do what? See to it, brothers and sisters, that's all of us in this room today, that none of you, we don't want anybody to get this, right? Like zero, nobody in our family group, nobody in our church. It, it, it's a concern about everybody. Look after each other. We don't want anybody to have a sinful, unbelieving heart. These are written to Christians that are wavering a little bit, okay, in their challenges and being Christians for a while that turns away from the living God. That's why it's so critical. This heart, it can turn you away from God. But encourage, now here's the solution. Encourage each other, what? Daily. How often? Paracleo, encourage, admonish, support, comfort. It's this daily involvement, and we talk about it a lot in Jesus' church. The 50 plus one another passages in the New Testament. God's plan is for us to be engaged with each other on a daily basis to encourage each other. Why? If we don't, we're going to be susceptible to be hardened by sin's deceitfulness and have an unbelieving heart. This is, this is like so important. At the beginning of a new year, I think it's important to focus on this. Now we have the one of the greatest inventions in the world to help this, and that's a smartphone or a phone. You can, you, you can encourage each other, you know, in, in, in the blink of an eye practically or, you know, in a moment. It's serious because we, if we come to share in Christ, only if we hold our original conviction firm to the end. And as I wrap up here, I realize, you know, I'm trying to be, I'm being very straightforward here. It, it's because I, uh, yeah, I know our church I know our tendencies. I know some of us have really drifted from this. We've drifted away from getting daily input, help, counsel, and decisions, you know, in our life. Uh, I don't believe some of us take this really seriously, to tell you the truth. How important, essential it is to guard our heart by being engaged with each other on a daily basis to help us stay close to Christ. And I don't want to be negative about it, all Jeff and I can do is preach the word, take you to the water. You got to drink it. You got to do something with it. But I've been a Christian long enough. I know my own life enough. I know all of us to know that some of us have not really taken this seriously the way that we need to. And let's just do it. 
fix our eyes on Christ. Have a great, it's a new decade for crying out loud. It's a, it's a new year. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Be involved in each other. And the abundant life of Jesus and the Holy Spirit will be in our lives, okay? If it's not daily, not Christianity, not the legitimate version. And the takeaways are basically get in the book of Hebrews, study it out, prioritize our Wednesday night, you know, times, embrace, you know, these concepts today. If you hear his voice, don't let your heart get hardened. You know, Jesus is Lord. Let's keep him there. And all the church said, but it doesn't really matter what we say, it's what we do. Amen. Amen.